You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Welcome to the program. Today is the third day of June, 2021. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. Chat room is available at the website, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And we'll take phone calls after the reading today. Uh, today we're going to be reading Joseph Smith's Admonition, Chapter 7 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5 pages 75 through 85. I'm actually home tonight. I uh, 
so I'm a truck driver, and by law, I'm only allowed to work 70 hours in eight days. And uh, I've been doing this thing where I drop off hours and then I pick up hours at midnight. And I've been rolling my 70, and uh, I just didn't sleep very well today, and I decided I'm taking the next two days off. So so here we are, and I'm at home tonight. What's that? Kim? Kim. Oh, I'm just saying yay. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, man, I'll go back to work on Saturday at sundown, and then I'll work through the week. So Emmett, Arius needs a sippy cup and you need to get him away from me. He's trying to drink my energy drink. He's like, I want some. I'm like, oh, I need energy. So this drink that I drink, it has a bunch of B12 in it and it's great. So I am so happy. What? Just give him a sippy cup. Why do you gotta make him scream? How about you just do what you're told? My 15-year-old always does what he thinks is best instead of what he's told. So now I've got a crying baby in here. Emmett, fix him. He doesn't listen. Anyway, um, so yeah, Kim is upstairs, I guess. Kim, where are you? I am upstairs. I'm trying to find a charging cord for my phone. Oh, I've got one down here. Oh, okay. I don't have one next to the bed, and I was like, okay, maybe you have one up here. And so I'm, like, searching well, for somebody it. Well, somebody stole your charging it. cord again? Yeah, I don't nope. have – I have just the watch one plugged in. So, yeah. Oh. Okay, well, I do have the kind of charging cord that you use for your phone um, down okay. here by me so alright so uh, I'll dedicate program and then I'll be doing reading tonight as well as my wife since she's so much better at it than I am so alright I'll dedicate the program our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we come to thee this day, Father, and ask thee that we could be forgiven of our sins and our transgressions, that we might have thy spirit to be with us as a people. We love thee, and we thank thee so much for the atonement of thy Son, Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach. We thank thee also, Father, for the prophet Joseph Smith and for the restoration brought about by him as your servant. We thank the Father for the restored gospel and the doctrine that is part of the eternities, that does not change. We thank the Father for the man, Ogden Kraut, that he was able to compile so many quotes and help others to understand the restoration in a more deep and full way. We thank the Father that we're able to read Joseph Smith's admonition tonight. And we ask for thy spirit to be with us as we do these things. We 
say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Pages 75 through 85 of Joseph Smith's Admonition, Chapter 7 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5. Joseph said to this people that all the wisdom he had was received from the hand of the Lord. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 78. All Mormons respect the name and position of Joseph Smith, but only a few really appreciate and comprehend what he taught. Said Brigham Young, who was one of the most devoted disciples, It is my delight to hear the things of God brought to the understanding of the people or of the children of men. This is the beauty of the gospel we have received. The excellency of the glory of the character of Joseph Smith was that he could reduce heavenly things to the understanding of the finite. When he preached to the people, revealed the things of God, the will of God, the plan of salvation, the purposes of Jehovah. Uh, Kim, you need to take that and put that on. All it's going to do is have an echo in the background, and it will be hard for people to hear me. Okay, Arius, stop. Here, take your sippy cup. Do you hear him in the background? Soda. He sounds like Yoda. Soda. I feel like we need to explain that. Okay, so we have this uh, almost two-year-old who um, is allergic to a lot of things. Okay, so he has allergies. He's lactose intolerant. He has a lot of um, allergies to fruits, which, believe it or not, are put in almost everything. And so some of the most safe things that we can feed him are not the most healthy foods. Um, We do have an appointment for him with a specialist next week, and then we will find out exactly what it is the cause of all of these allergies that he has so that we can fix it and hopefully he'll be able to eat more than just junk food. Yeah. Okay. Eliza, I'm doing the radio show. Walk away. All right, I'm going to go back over the uh, quote that I just got interrupted from. It is my delight to hear the things of God brought to the understanding of the children of men. This is the beauty of the gospel we have received. The excellency of the glory of the character of Brother Joseph was that he could reduce heavenly things to the understanding of the finite. When he preached to the people, preached to the people, revealed the things of God, the will of God, the plan of salvation, the purposes of Jehovah, the relation in which we stand to him and all the heavenly beings. He reduced his teachings to the capacity of every man, woman, and child, making them as plain as as well uh, well defined pathway. This should have convinced every person that ever heard of him of his divine authority and power, for no other man was able to teach as he could, and no person could reveal the things of God but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 206. The great division between the Reformers and the early church was whether to follow the teachings of the church 
or the teachings of the Bible. Page 76. There was a distinct difference between the two. This subject was often discussed by the Prophet Joseph Smith. Let's see here. President Joseph Smith read the 14th chapter of Ezekiel and said the Lord had declared by the Prophet that the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man or men in that state of corruption of the Jewish church, that righteous person, persons could only deliver their own souls, and applied it to the present state of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Joseph Smith said, if the people departed from the Lord, they must fall, that they were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds. Teachings of the Prophet, Joseph Smith, page 237 and 238. And all that means is that we individually have to find out what the truth is. We can hear the prophet, the, the leaders and teachers in the church, uh, or through the scriptures, but we have to get our own revelation as to whether what they are teaching us is true. And that if we depend on somebody else and we just sit there and believe them, that we can be darkened in our minds because we're not going to the source yeah, we're being lazy learners, as uh, Russell M. Nelson tried to throw all of us, uh, <clears throat> all of us uh, people who actually care about the gospel under the bus. Um, we're not lazy learners because we read and study and pray and get revelation for ourselves. In fact, we're the opposite of lazy learners. What the church wants you to do is just accept everything that they have to say and accept their authority claims without any question. That's actually being a lazy learner. And because people do that, according to Joseph Smith, that they are depending upon the prophet and are darkened in their minds. So my grandpa used to say it's a do-it-yourself program, that he could teach the people all the things, and he why are you dancing around in front of me when I'm trying to do the show? You're number one. I thought you were number 23. That was basketball. Okay. So softball's not evil, but basketball is. She's number one. So my, my 12 year old is in softball now because every sport that is played is she's got to play it. And she's dancing around the living room. Go away. <laughs> uh, you're number something. Wait, when's her game? At what time? I can't be there. I have to be at work. I have to have a ma I maintain a constant schedule. Olivia, shush. All right. Let's see here. Okay, so my grandpa, he, my grandparents, um, my grandparents met um, at Angel Island in World War II after my grandpa lost both of his legs, saving his platoon. And after he learned to walk again on wooden legs, uh, they had him traveling all over the place doing speeches for the war effort 
and at the end of the war, my grandfather went back to uh, San Francisco Bay Area and found my grandmother and told her, I want to marry you. I'm going to be on a train for Sacramento in the morning, and then I'm going home to Chicago. And if you will marry me, I will be at this uh, motel. And if you don't show up, then I'll know your answer. <laughs> so, so that he, you know, he told it to her in the doorway of uh, where she was at. And then he went to his hotel and a little while later, grandma showed up and agreed to marry him. And they got on a train and went to Sacramento and got married. And then they got on a train and rode back to Chicago and uh, so my grandmother was, um, she converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 1940 when she was 23, uh, let me think, 17 years old. Hold on. Excuse me, why do you have a wire hanging out of your diaper and he's standing on the couch? <laughs> Nobody can hear you, I'll tell you. So Kim's all like... so. My son, Arius, the almost two-year-old, has a diaper on. That's all he has on. And he's standing on the, on the side of the couch, and he's got a cord stuck out of his diaper. I don't even know how it's stuck in there. It's stuck on the back of his diaper. And Kim says, we didn't give you a vaccine. Why do you have a tail? <laughs> Anyway, so um, so Grandma converted when she was 17, and after the war was over with, my grandparents got married, and my grandfather was a hardcore Marine guy. He was a gang leader in the Jewish slums in Chicago. Like, my grandpa was a badass back in the day. And he... Um, but he eventually did convert and he gave up drinking and he became this really great missionary. And since my grandmother was a Navy nurse and my grandfather was a double A amputee in the Marines, they both got pensions. Neither one of them had to work ever again, but they did. They worked a lot. What, Kim? Okay. Anyway, so they, but they did, I mean, they had like, shops that they owned, they developed real estate, they um, they owned, when I was a kid, they bought a mine, an opal mine, and I grew up learning how to dig opals up in Spencer, Idaho, and how to grind opals and make them into jewelry, and also chop lots of wood, because the winter times were ridiculous up there in the in Spencer, Idaho, but Anyway, but my grandparents served seven missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And one of the things he just he taught me was that this is a do-it-yourself program. I can teach you the truth, or I can teach others the truth, but they've got to get the revelation for themselves that what we're saying is true. And uh, I agree with them. And that's what we all need to do. If we just trust the prophet because we like, you know, what he says or whatever, it's not enough. 
we've got to go to the source, and that is not the prophet. The source is God. So anyway, continuing on with the reading, this paragraph is an excellent example of the depth and clarity of Joseph Smith's inspiration referred to by Brigham Young. It is so full of meaning and divine instruction that the major part of this chapter will consist in providing additional quotations supporting each of its seven significant elements. Number one, the people should each one stand for himself next to the bestowal of life itself, the right to direct that life is God's greatest gift to man. David O. McKay, Improvement Era, February 1962, page 86. Go to your secret chambers and ask God and plead with him in the name of Jesus to, to give you a testimony as he has given it to us. And I promise you that you will not come away empty nor dissatisfied. You will have a testimony and light will be poured out upon you and you will see things that perhaps you cannot see and understand the present time and see and understand at the present time. Wilford Woodruff, Conference Report, October 6, 1890. Let me just say, okay, so that may have been the case back then, but in the Western world, they have put chemicals in our water, fluoride and other things, that have calcified our pineal gland, which is uh, how we receive spiritual promptings and the vaccine that they just put out it's actually it's doing more damage than anything that they've done before they want to separate us from God and from spiritual things I am fortunate because I um, Spencer Idaho is up by the continental divide our water So, I'm back on the show. I just got both my wife and I had our the calls dropped. Kim, go ahead and call into the radio show so you're on a separate line. I will unmute you. I'm on the studio right now. So, one of the evidences that the things that we're talking about are true is that we have these interruptions all the time. Here's Kim. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Anyway, so go. Okay, so when Kim and I are in the same room, we need to do this little hopscotch game with muting our mics when we're not talking. So um, anyway, but. So I was talking about the water that I drank as a kid growing up. It was from a a deep well in the earth, and it was the best water. I mean, Kim's from New Hampshire, and they say they have the best water there, and it's because of the the granite. Okay, Kim, you can talk. So right out of the ground from the spring, freezing cold all year long. And you don't even have to, like, sit there and wait for the water to run. It is freezing cold 
all year long. I love it. So pure. Oh, yeah, when I was pregnant with Eliza, um, it was really weird. So I have hypermesis gravidarium, which just is a fancy word for saying that I throw up all the time when I'm pregnant. And I can't keep anything down, and they have to give me medicine to help me to stay hydrated. So um, anyways, what happens is when I was pregnant with Eliza, I was trying to figure out how to eat so I didn't throw up without having to take any medication to keep me from vomiting. And so I tried using um, different kinds of food. I tried organic food, which actually helped out a lot. And then I would go to a spring. How far away was that from the house? It was only a few miles, right? Five to seven miles, yeah. So we would go over to the spring and fill all of our gallon jugs that we had, all of our buckets and everything, whatever we had, and we would fill it up and bring it back to the house so that I could drink that fresh spring water. And it really did help because there was no additives. There wasn't chlorine or fluoride or anything in it. It was just fresh, yummy water. And it helped me out a lot. And Eliza came out amazing. Okay, I will. So um, Eliza also, oddly enough, is my only child who is allergic to fluoride. So in utero, she did not get any. And she vomits when the dentist tried to use it on her. And so we just don't use fluoride with her at all. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of funny because she can't have fluoride in her toothpaste, makes her sick. And when they try to give her fluoride at school, we don't like that because it's poison. And um, I know that there's a lot of propaganda about about what, you know, how it helps you. It doesn't. It, it's bad. Bad news. Anyway, but, um, but yeah, she's completely allergic to it. So, anyway, so, but when we talk about things that they don't want us to talk about, then we have dropped calls and we have all kinds of problems. So, and it's like I said before, like I continue to say, when you raise your head up against the devil's kingdom, he will come after you. And we are prime targets, probably because of who I am and my message. So anyway, uh, continuing on with the reading. It is indeed our right and privilege to have the companionship of the Holy Spirit of the Lord, and we need it. Even children may have it if they will and need not be left to walk alone on earth. We're on page 77. Each woman should win and keep it for herself and never try and walk by another's light. If she puts her whole trust in another, even if he be her husband and a good man, he will surely sometime fail her. Let her learn to stand alone so far as as human aid is concerned, depending only on God and the Holy Ghost. And quote George Q. Cannon, Millennial Star, volume 53, page 673. Also, Kim, if you want to talk, let me know and I will mute myself, okay? All right. The Israelites prayed to God that God would speak to Moses and not to them in consequence of which he cursed them with a carnal law. Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 322. I would not, even if I could, force your thinking, for free agency is the basic law of God. And quote, Spencer W. Kimbo, 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 oh my gosh, 
<laughs> ends in September 1978, page three. Number two, depend on no man or men. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. No, not one. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. See also Proverbs 20, verse 9, and 1 John 1, verse 8. Search the scriptures. Search the revelations which we publish, publish and ask your heavenly Father in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, to manifest the truth of it unto you, and if you will do it with an eye single to his glory, nothing doubting, so you have to be believing, he will answer you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You will then know for yourselves and not for another. You will not then, you will not then be dependent on man for the knowledge of God. End quote. Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 11. And so, um, real quick, I, with a broken heart, am watching people who are returned missionaries fall away from the church left and right. And I don't understand this because when I was a missionary, I felt the spirit whenever I was teaching, like really powerful all the time. And uh, as a missionary after my mission, I continue to feel the spirit when I'm teaching, especially when I'm teaching in person. And not only that, like my conversion experience, I asked, so I was a, I had been a Baptist. Um, I was more kind of an atheist. I was an atheist. I was mad at God. And I, I, I decided I was goth. So <laughs> I was a Mr. 90s goth guy. Uh, with piercings and all the fun stuff, and uh, got into drugs and all of that, and I was homeless, and I was having all kinds of problems, and I tried to commit suicide, and after my friend found me, and I was revived, and after I got out of the hospital, I wrote God a letter, and I said, if you'll show me the truth and heal me, talking about my drug addictions, I will serve you for the rest of my life, and long story short, two missionaries, Elder Bowman and Elder King, showed up on my doorstep where I was staying with my friend in an apartment in Layton, Utah. And after them bugging me for a little bit, I finally listened to them. And as they taught me about the first vision and Joseph Smith and how he had questions and God answered him personally, um, I felt this, I felt peace, which is something I was not used to. And when they left, I asked God on bended knee if Joseph Smith was a true prophet and if, if the Book of, Mormon, Book of Mormon was true. And I remember kneeling there by the futon bed in my loft where I was staying and the spirit just pouring down upon me like hot oil. And I don't go into this experience too much, but like I heard the, I don't know, my ears heard innumerable concourses of angels singing praises to God. It was an overwhelming, overpowering experience. And from that point, I knew that Joseph Smith really was a true prophet. And God gave me the miracle that I asked for. I was completely healed at that point from every drug addiction that I had. Everything. Completely gone which is something I was having a hard time with. And so from that point on, 
I knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet. Now, I still didn't like the church. Um, I would go to church, and all I had was goth clothing, and I actually had something called oxygen deficiency disorder because of the drugs that I was I, I looked sick. I looked like I was the walking dead, and all I had was goth clothes, so that's what I went to church in. And um, And because of my conversion, my roommate kicked me out. I became homeless in December of 96, walked the streets from December of 96 to January of 97 for about a month, from like the middle of the month to the middle of the month. And But I knew that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And I had to let go of all my friends and everyone that I knew and walk the path. And luckily, my grandfather, as he was laying in bed, so they had a, they had this summer home in Spencer, Idaho, where they had the opal mine. And then sometimes they would get winter homes down south because it was like ridiculous cold. It was... Uh, 14 miles south of the Continental Divide in Idaho on I-15 in a uh, in a canyon called Manida Manida Canyon or Manida Pass, and the the freezing cold winds would come down the Rocky Mountains down uh, in Montana, and then they would go through certain canyons. And one of the canyons that the winds would blow through is Manida Pass, and it was just We'd have some crazy blizzards up there. And anyway, so my grandparents had this house in 97 down in Richfield, Utah, which, by the way, the reason I drive a coal truck is because my grandparents had that house there. Did you know that, Kim? My grandfather told me, because he knew I wanted to be a truck driver, and by that time I already had a CDL, he told me that... I should work for Barney Trucking because they were a really good outfit and it would be really good for me. Yeah, and so as soon as I got enough experience, I had five years of over the road, um, I became a cold truck driver. And uh, and I worked for, I drove belly dumps. Let me think. I drove belly dumps from 90, no, 2003 to 2008. And then, uh, Anyway, I don't want to get into all the details of everything, but um, but I'm a cold truck driver now again. And uh, anyway, so uh, let me see here. Oh, okay. So uh, my grandfather was laying in bed one morning, and uh, he had to put his wooden legs on in the morning before he got out of bed. So he'd lay there in bed for a little while and just think about things, have some quiet time as he's waking up. And he said that he heard a voice, and the voice, to- and it's the only time he ever heard a voice in his life, and the voice told him to find me. Now I'm homeless at the time. Find me and send me on a mission. So he called my mom. My mom didn't know where I was, but she knew a place that I used to work at, at a place called Movie Buffs in Layton, Utah. And she went up there looking for me, and nobody knew where I was. But I used to – I had a bus pass, so I'd, like, ride the bus around in the daytime to get warm. I'd, I'd like, ride it from Ogden to Salt Lake and all over the place because I was homeless, and I didn't know what to do. And anyway, I was so screwed up. Anyway, but um, I went into my – where I used to work, and I saw my friends – 
and uh, at the movie buffs, and they were like, hey, your mom was here the other day, and she's looking for you here. Uh, I wrote her phone number down, and her name was Amber Lyons. I had the biggest crush on her. Anyway, um, but uh, she gave me the phone number, and I called my mom, and she came and picked me up. And my grandfather, the last thing he heard, so I was baptized in 86, um, in 1986, and but I didn't. I hated the church, and I, when I was 16, I tried to get my name removed from the church, and that's the last thing my grandfather knew because I was like all Baptist and like anti-Mormon and like ridiculous. Anyway, but um, but so he found that they found me, and he said, "I will send you either on a mission or I will pay for four years of your college." Because I already completed my trade degree, I got my GED, and uh, and he actually said I will even pay for you to live at Little America in Salt Lake City, Utah, while you go to college. Now this place is ridiculous expensive, but they have a lot of money. So anyway, but uh, four years of college, a full ride, and uh, and I get to stay at a hotel that is awesome, and uh, I told him. I told him about my experience, and I told God if he would heal me and show me the truth, I would serve him for the rest of my life. So I chose the mission instead of the university and the plush plush life of college. So anyway, but my whole point in this is I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet because of revelation that I received that that he's a prophet. So no matter what the church does or no matter what the people do, I know because my my faith and my trust and my knowledge doesn't come from man. It comes from God. And through that and other experiences, I stand upon the rock of revelation and no matter what winds come, I know the truth. I know Joseph Smith was a prophet. That's how I can go through all the the tribulation that I've gone through and all of the stuff that I've gone through and still confess that I know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. Continuing on, so long, therefore, as people rely upon their leaders, they are not manifesting that degree of faith. They are not in the position to think and reflect for themselves as they should. Moses Thatcher, Journal of Discourses, Volume 26, page 328. And what the Journal of Discourses is, it's basically conference talks and other zone talks and all that were written down uh, by shorthand and placed in volumes, kind of like we have the enzyme to listen to or to read the words of the current leaders. The Journal of Discourses was the enzyme back in the day like no pictures or anything, just the written word so that we could read what was being talked about. So they didn't have radio back then, and they didn't have television. So people that didn't live where they could go to conference, it was written down for them. It was checked by Brigham Young, who was the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Discourses, and then it was sent out in published form to the people that were not in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's all that is. Now, the church, the current church, wants to gaslight and throw that under the bus because they don't like the things that are being said like this. They want you, 
current church wants you to trust them and follow them. And all of these kind of quotes that tell you stop trusting in your leaders and follow God actually are antithetical to what the church wants you to do today. So they don't want you to read it. So, and they even, uh, Hebrew J. Grant went so far as to try to, uh, to have a cleaned up version of the Journal of Discourses so that they could get rid of a bunch of stuff and sell it to the saints. But luckily, Joseph Musser and others uh, who are outside of the church kept the Journal of Discourse in purity. And when the church realized that, that people were getting the, the unfiltered version, they stopped the project. And now they and the other thing too. So, how, Kim, how much was the Journal of Discourses that we bought from Kevin? Five hundred dollars. So we got Kevin Kraut's Journal of Discourses because when Ogden Kraut died, he he gave that to Kevin, and then Kevin gave me his old. He didn't give it to me. He sold it to me for five hundred dollars. But they also sell the Journal of Discourses in printed form because Kevin has a book press, and they can't stop him. So anyway, but you can get that for $500. Now, if you want to get the Journal of Discourses through the church, even if they sell it anymore, I don't know if they do. It's ridiculous how much they want for it because they don't want you to read it. What, Kim? Oh, it's on, Actually, you can get it on the Internet, but things are so... Like, I don't know. I don't trust the Internet anything. I trust hard, hard-bound printed books. So, all right, let's see. How often has it been taught that if you depend entirely upon the voice, the voice, judgment, and sagacity of those appointed to lead you and neglect to enjoy the spirit for yourself, how easily you may be, you may be led into error and finally be cast off to the left hand? Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 8. Uh, Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 59, Topic 3. That state of corruption of the Jewish church in the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus describes some of these corruptions that had entered into the Jewish church. They say and do not. So they say things they believe, but they don't do them. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. All their works they do to be seen of men. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats at the synagogues and greetings in the markets. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. What is he doing? Okay. You know, you, the if you open up the door, it's got a screen on the... Yeah. We don't have enough air conditioners in this house in order to keep it cool in here. So it's... Yeah, the sun did go down, so it's a new day. <laughs> but... uh yeah, it's been hot all day, so all right. They devour widows' houses for a pretense make long prayers. They compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, they make him twofold more a child of hell than yourselves. 
they pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. They are blind guides which strain in a net and swallow a camel. They make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are like whited sepulchers, or basically whited tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. They outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. They build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and boast that they would not have been partakers in the blood of the prophets. They did not heed Christ's call. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. According, and we're on page 79, yep, 79. Um, as soon as I finish this part, you can read, Kim. According to the 14th chapter of Ezekiel, the Lord was angry then with the house of Israel because they had set up their idols in their hearts, verse 3. And that's chapter 14 of Ezekiel. And because they were all estranged from me through their idols, verse 5, he also warned them, if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. Oh, my goodness. So the prophet can lead you astray because the Lord deceives them to test the people. And I will destroy him from the midst of of my people. And the punishment of the prophet shall be even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him. Verses 9 and 10 of Ezekiel uh, 14. Yep. Okay. Let's see here. Ezekiel continued to elaborate on the admonitions of the house of Israel in chapter 22. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls, they have taken the treasure and precious things, and they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy thing. They have no difference between the holy and profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. That's plural, because there's the weekly Sabbath and there's the annual Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 uh, through 28. So we're on page 80. I'm going to mute myself, Kim. Hopefully you can hear me. All right. Number four. Righteous persons could only deliver their own souls. 
quoting again from the 14th chapter of Ezekiel, so these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Jacob, or Job, sorry, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Verses 14 and 18. President Heber C. Kimball then addressed the meeting and said that he wanted to give an exhortation and a word of caution. And after reproving the saints, said many flattered many flattered themselves that they were going to lean upon others to save them without doing anything themselves, but they would get disappointed. For to bring up a figure, he said, you might graft ever so many sprouts into a tree. If they did not adhere to the tree, they would remain there dead sticks sticking out of the tree. They would be dead themselves, not bring forth fruit. And do the tree no good, but only scar it up. And those scars would remain until the dead sticks were broke off and the scar healed over or other grafts put in that would bring forth fruit. So it was, it was with all who leaned upon others to save them and would not hearken to their counsel and take their advice. And no man can save them if they do not save themselves. Wilford Woodruff Journal, February 13, 1848. Well, such is the character of God's government, that is genius and policy, are to the end that iniquity may be swept from off the earth. Persons need not think to excuse themselves for performing a known unlawful act simply because they were told to do it by another. If such an excuse as this would justify, none would ever need to come under condemnation, for men would be sure to find someone on whom to lay the burden of their sins. We're on page 81. The day has come when everyone may expect to answer for their own sins without attempting to cloak them with another's priesthood. Brigham Young, Millennial Star, Volume 14, page 595. Number five, applied to the present state of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the prophet Joseph was warning the saints to avoid the perils and failings of the Jewish church and warn them of the weaknesses of the prophet, that they could not rely on prophets to save them. He applied this to present-day saints as well. And teaching the prophet Joseph Smith, page 331, quote, But there has been a great difficulty in getting anything into the heads of this generation. It has been like splitting hemlock knots with a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a beetle. Even the saints are slow to understand. I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of the saints prepared to receive the things of God, but we frequently see some of them, after suffering all they have for the work of God, will fly to pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their traditions. They cannot stand the fire at all. How many will be able to abide a celestial law and go through and receive their exaltation? I am unable to say, as many are called, but few are chosen. End quote. That again is teaching the prophet Joseph Smith, Smith page 331. Okay, I just have to explain this because I think it's funny because people don't understand what a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a beetle is. A corn dodger is a piece of cornbread made into a wedge and um, a pumpkin for a, that's basically the hammer that you're like pounding this cor- this wedge of dried bread into this thing called, um, let's see, corn dodger for a wedge. What was, yeah, what's the thing he's trying to pound it into? Uh, Oh, hemlock knot. Okay. The hemlock tree is one of the harder woods. 
and the knot of the hemlock tree is like the hardest knot that you can like impossible even with proper tools to like get through and he's just basically saying that like the saints are so hard-headed that they cannot accept the truth and so with that being said there was a lot of things that joseph wanted to restore but he couldn't restore to the people because they were too hard uh and they wouldn't believe it so for instance in section 124 jesus christ tells him to build a temple where the father can come dwell there and that he might restore the fullness of the priesthood to the people which is the fullness of the melchizedek priesthood so there's different levels of the melchizedek priesthood in fact we know that all priesthood is melchizedek so the the laying on of hands to receive the melchizedek priesthood is the beginning of that priesthood and at the end of that priesthood if the fullness is where the father comes himself to lay his hands upon your head and give you that fullness that's what he's talking about and jesus wanted and the father wanted a temple to be built so he could dwell among his people in zion's redemption and and uh, and restore the fullness which had been taken from the earth but part of that revelation was that he wanted to he said this will be the beginning of revelations uh, for Zion's redemption, and he wanted to restore the Moedim or the times and seasons, according to section 124, which are the times and seasons of Jehovah, which we find in the Old Testament. They're commanded ho- holy days or holidays that are from God, but that that was never done because the people were disobedient and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And I've talked about that in the past, but like there was a lot of things. Like the fact that Jesus Christ's name in Hebrew was never Jesus. There are no J's in the Hebrew alphabet. In fact, there was no J's in the King James Version of the Bible was written in 1611. That was a letter that was invented later on. So in the earliest King James Version of the Bible, everywhere it says Jesus, it doesn't. It says the, the Greek Jesus, I-E-S-U-S, Jesus. And uh, and then later on, they, they changed it according to the modernization of the alphabet with the J. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. There's no J sounds in the Hebrew alphabet. There is a J sound in the Aramaic alphabet, but there's no J sounds in the Hebrew alphabet. And Jesus and it's, is a transliteration of Yeshua. And we know that because we have ancient texts of the ancient book of Matthew and other books where uh, the angel Gabriel tells Yosef, his stepfather, to name him Yeshua for Yoshia or Har Yoshia. It means he shall save his people. That's what Yeshua means, is what his name means. And that is his true name. That was his true name. But, but God is kind and, and, uh gentle and long suffering and you know these things would be restored in time but at the time joseph smith spoke these things and revealed these things that the people were too hard of heart and they couldn't accept certain things and when they would hear certain things they would fly apart like glass just because these things were being taught you know and joseph smith knew that that 
he began to lay the foundation for the rede- or for the redemption of Zion. That was his job. And as we soften our hearts and as we begin to be able to be led by the Spirit and stop being hard in our hearts, God will beget or will build up the redemption of Zion so that Zion can be redeemed. But Joseph Smith came to lay the foundation for that redemption. So anyway, I'll mute myself, Kim. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has also had its false spirit. And as it is made up of all those different sects professing every variety of opinion and having been under the influence of so many kinds of spirits, it is not to be wondered at if there should be found among us false spirits. That comes from teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 213. Hold on. Age of the world. Because I think you skipped that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at? <laughs> they cannot stand the fire at all. Okay, oh, sorry. Oh, I will go back. I will go back. So, um, sorry, I think I was in the wrong place because I lost it twice and I had to go back and then look. Okay. okay, why will, yeah, so we'll be at, why will not man learn wisdom by precept? It just jumped again. Sorry. This is the fourth time I've looked for it since you were on. Here, don't make me unmute myself again because then I'm going to have to do this all over, and I don't want to do it all over. Okay, we'll just use your mic, and then you can okay. pass it over to me when you're... So these are technical difficulties we have when when I have to mute and unmute the mic, or if um, it keeps on jumping, my screen will go out and then come back. So, yeah, it's hard. Why don't you use your wings? Um, I just did, and then it did that twice to me, so now I'm going to try it this way. Okay, so why will not man learn wisdom by precept at this late age of the world? When we have such a cloud of witnesses, and examples before us, and not be obliged to learn by sad experience. Everything we know, must the new ones that are chosen to fill the places of those that are fallen of the form of the twelve begin to exalt themselves until they exalt themselves so high that they will soon tumble over and have a great fall and go wallowing through the mud and mire and darkness. That comes from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 384. We're on page 82. For if Zion will not purify herself so as to be approved of in all things, in his sight he will seek another people, for his work will go on until Israel is gathered, and they who will not hear his voice must expect to feel his wrath. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 18. So that quote right there, Joseph Smith actually said, if the people will not do what God wants Gosh. Is it your mic? mic? I got my mic muted, so I don't know why it's doing that. Yeah. You see that headset up there on the TV? Mm-hmm. Connect it to your phone, please. Wait, do you want to say something? Okay, I, can I just read? So he said that if the people won't do what they've been told, the church can fall and God would choose another people. So this whole idea that the church will never be led astray and it will never fall contradicts Joseph Smith. 
And that's probably the reason why the LDS Church wants to get rid of all the teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith when they're given to the Deseret Book. I mean, uh, the Deseret Industries. They actually destroy those books. If you find one, it's because some worker didn't realize they were supposed to destroy it. Anyway, here you go. If the church knew all the commandments, one half, they would condemn through prejudice and ignorance. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 112. The saints should be a select people, separate from all the evils of the world, choice, virtues, and holy. Virtuous and holy. I'm sorry. From all evils of the world, choice, virtuous, and holy. The Lord was going to make of the church of Jesus Christ a kingdom of priests, a holy people, a chosen generation, as in Enoch's day, having all the gifts as illustrated to the church in Paul's epistles and teachings to the churches in his day. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 202. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has also had its false spirits, and as it is made up of all those those different sects professing every variety of opinion and having been under the influence of so many kinds of spirits, it is not to be wondered at if there should be found among us false spirits. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 213. If the people departed from the Lord, they must fall. Oh, yes, number six, sorry. If the people departed from the Lord, they must fall. The, mo- the moment we revolt at anything which comes from God, the devil takes power. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. The power, glory, and blessings of the priesthood could not continue with those who receive ordination, only as their righteousness continued. For Cain, also being authorized to offer sacrifice, but not offering it in righteousness, was cursed. It signifies then that the ordinances must be kept in the very way God has appointed. Otherwise, their priesthood will prove a cursing instead of a blessing. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 169. We're now on page 83. Do you want to talk right now? Okay, go ahead and talk again. Okay, can you hear me now? Okay. If the if the people depart from the Lord, they must fall. The moment we revolt at anything which comes from God, the devil takes power. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. Now, the reason why I stopped Kim from reading is because I wanted to talk about this just for a moment. For years and years and years, I have been saying, bringing up part of the endowment, where there's a teaching principle in the endowment, where the devil used to come out before they changed it and he would say all the covenants you if you don't live up to every covenant you've made this day you'll be in my power and how sad that is because we all covenant to live the law of consecration which is the foundation for united orders and the church has 16 million members and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in investments and in the banks and all this stuff, and there's not one united order. And so, like, when we covenant to live the law of consecration, but we do not live it, according to the principle taught in the endowment, we're in the power of Satan. And that's, that's part of the – and this was taught before the endowment. Joseph Smith taught the moment we revolt against anything which comes from the God, the devil takes power. Well – we as a people 
are not being obedient to what God has asked us to do. There's so many things that were part of the restoration, and now we make excuses up about how, oh, that's for another people. No, it's not. In order for Zion to be redeemed, according to Genesis chapter 9 of the inspired translation, when a people live all that God has commanded and they build Zion below, they will look up and see Zion come down from out of heaven. And the church of the firstborn. Now, in order for Adam and Andiamen to happen, it's not just something that happens at some time in history. When a people live all that God has commanded, the church of the firstborn comes down out of heaven with Zion's redemption, and then Adam and Andiamen can happen, where the holy resurrected Adam and all of the prophets come down and upon the earth and hold the grand sacrament meeting where they prepare for the return of Jesus Christ or Yeshua our Messiah. Because we don't live the law and the instructions and we ignore and we make excuses as to why we don't live, plural celestial marriage, the law of adoption, the law of consecration with the United Orders, rebaptism, and all of the other things that were restored, the devil takes power because we are being rebellious. And all of the gaslighting and all of the excuses won't make a hill of beans a bit of difference as to what, you know, whether God accepts his church or not. When we don't do what we've been commanded to do, we are nothing more than the supposed wife of Christ that has gone whoring ourselves off after the things of this world. When we live God's commandments in their fullness, then we can be part of the people that God will restore. But as we disobey the the covenants we've made in the endowment and uh, all of the other things, God just rejects us as a people. And he'll choose the people that will do what he has commanded. And if the church won't do it, he'll choose another people, according to Joseph Smith himself. Now, the LDS church will tell you otherwise. They'll say that they're the only true church and they have... But the thing used to drive me nuts in sacrament meeting and testimony meeting, people would get up there and they'd be like, I know the church is true. Well, I know that the gospel is true. And I know the principles of the gospel are true. And when the church changes, as they do, as is evident by the recent change in the endowment and all of the hundreds of other changes that they've done, they're in apostasy. And that's why Jesus said in section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants, I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, which implies they would get out of order, which they have. So anyway, I'm going to mute myself and let Kim continue reading. I just wanted to bring that point up. Okay, page 83. Have we all rights? Yes, we have rights to do right, but we have, every one of us, covenanted to be true to God and his cause. Have we not? And when we depart from that, we do wrong. You have lots of sheep here, and you have doubtless seen them sometimes make a break. One will start, and the others will follow, uh, and away they go. Where are they going? They do not know. Do you know? No. But the sheep perhaps thought they were in bondage and wanted to get out. The lead sheep jumps. 
perhaps into a mire, a mere hold, it does not matter. They all follow the leader. John Taylor, Journal of Discourse, Volume 20, page 168. The Lord would cut short his work in righteousness and accept the church receive the fullness of the scriptures that would they would yet fail. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 9. All of these warnings are directed to both followers and leaders. In the third section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord warned how easy it is for someone to fail. Number one, he boasts in his own strengths. Number two, he sets at naught the counsel of God. Number three, he follows the dictates of his own will. Number four, he follows carnal desires. Number five, he transgresses the commandments. Number six, he is greatly influenced by the persuasions of men. Number six, or I'm sorry, that was number six. (laughs) Number seven, he fears man more than God. Number eight, that was number seven. I can't do this. Number eight, (laughs) he despises God's words. And number nine, he lacks faith. Number 10, he depends on his own judgment. The Lord told Joseph to repent, for except thou do this, thou shalt be delivered up and become as other men and have no more gift. D&C 3.11. The prophet Joseph Smith had nearly every spiritual gift and power that any prophet ever enjoyed. Yet the Lord was warning that even he could lose it all. Become as other men. Page 84. Number 7. They were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds. Perhaps it is his own design that faults and weaknesses should appear in high places in order that his saints may learn to trust in him, and not in any man or men. George Q. Cannon, Millennial Star, Volume 53, page 658 through 59. Now, was not Joseph Smith a mortal man? Yes. A fallible man? Yes. Had he not weaknesses? Yes. He acknowledged them himself and did not fail to put the revelations on record in this book of the Book of Doctrine and Covenants, wherein God reproved him. His weaknesses were not concealed from the people. He was willing that people should know that he was mortal and had failings. And so with Brigham Young, was not he a mortal man, a man who had weaknesses? He was not a god. He was not an immortal being. He was not infallible. No, he was fallible. And yet when he spoke by the power of God, it was the word of God to this people. George Q. Cannon, Journal of Discourse, Volume 24, page 274. Now those men or those women who know no more about the power of God and the influence or influences of the Holy Spirit than to be led entirely by another person, suspending their own understanding and pinning their faith upon another's sleeve will never be capable of entering in, into the celestial glory to be crowned as they anticipate. They will never be capable of becoming gods. They cannot rule themselves to say nothing of ruling others, but they must be dictated to in every, to in every trifle like a child. They cannot control themselves in the least, but James, Peter, or somebody else must control them. They never can become gods, nor be crowned as rulers with glory, immortality, and eternal lives. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 312. Do not, brethren, put your trust in man, though he be a bishop, an apostle, or a president. If you do, they will fail you at some time or place. They will do wrong or seem be. I don't know what that means. They will do wrong or seem be. Oh, seem to be. It doesn't say that. 
and our support is gone. But if we lean on God, he never will fail us. When men and women depend on God alone and trust in him alone, their faith will not be shaken. If the highest in the church should step aside, they could still see that he is just and true, that the truth is lovely in his sight, and the pure in heart are dear to him. Perhaps it is his own design that faults and weaknesses should appear in high places in order that his saints may learn to trust him and not in any man or men. George Q. Cannon, Millennial Star, Volume 53, page 673. Then we have five asterisks. Libya, don't use that. You're scaring me. Nothing could be more clear. The prophet Joseph repeatedly explained that the saints should not depend on any mortal man and that they should stand on their own feet. Too many were relying on the prophet Joseph, hence were darkened in their minds. He applied this admonition to all Latter-day Saints. And that brings us to page 86, chapter 8. The call-in line is 917-889-8827. Let me say that again, 917-889-8827. The chat room is also open. If you have any questions or comments or you um, have a shout-out, go ahead and give us a call, uh, and the lines will be open. I'm going to read a little bit more into Chapter 8 so that we can find out what it's going to be about and maybe get all excited and ready for tomorrow's reading. It's going to be amazing. So, The next uh, chapter, chapter 8, on page 86, is the conflict between dead and living prophets. Ooh, the suspense is killing me. It would be a poor lighthouse that gave off a different signal to guide every ship entering a harbor. That's Spencer W. Kimball, Conference Report, April 1976, page 7. Everybody's favorite prophet. (laughs) A A schism has developed within the church. Not so much among the members as among its leaders, past and present. The contemporary leaders seem to have a little difficulty in rationalizing their current position, even though it contradicts that of the inspired early leaders. But many members are asking questions such as, how can some leaders teach one thing and other leaders teach something, leaders something just the opposite, and both be right? Oh my goodness, my husband's going to have a field day with this. He loves this topic. Like the changing of seasons, the church seems to take on different appearances with the passing of time. As Mormons, it is easy for us to see that there is something wrong with the following conflict. John the Baptist baptized people by immersion in the River Jordan. Others have come along since then, also claiming to be prophets, saying, we can now baptize by sprinkling, pouring, or not at all. It is evident that they both cannot be true prophets. It is more difficult, however, for Mormons to recognize and admit that similar changes have occurred within the LDS Church in the last century. See 95 Thesis by the same author. We should ask ourselves, page 87, number one, would the Lord give two different and conflicting practices for any gospel ordinance, ordinance? I don't think so. Number two, should any eternal ordinance, principle, or doctrine by... it must be, mean be changed, be changed, substituted, or rejected. Hmm. Number three, has the Lord ever revoked any of his laws except in the case of the unworthiness of people? When there, number four, when there is a conflict in doctrinal teaching, does it mean that mankind can be saved or exalted based on different laws, principles, and ordinances? Good questions. 
Number five, if one, oh my goodness, guess what? It decided that because I was making commentary, it wouldn't let me finish. Do you have it right there? Yeah. Can I read it? I'll read it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay, can you hear me? Okay. Number five, if one prophet is teaching vastly different from another, doesn't it mean that one of them is wrong? So. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's the end of the reading. Um, and, uh, okay, so this is part of the reason why God said that he would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, because it would get out of order. And in Isaiah chapter 28, it is talking about the drunkards of Ephraim. And the uh, my inspired interpretation of that scripture is that the, the people of Ephraim in the last days would be drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great. And that when it says all their table, tables are full of filth and vomit, it means that they look upon the rejected meat of the gospel as filth and vomit. They reject it, and they say, oh, that's not right, whatever. So now I just wanted to say one thing before we, we go. So I claim to be one mighty and strong. In 2013, God commanded me to kneel before him and ask him who I am, and he showed me a vision of the preexistence, and I saw uh, – a lot of people, and I saw a stage in front of all the people, a platform that was raised up, and there was three thrones upon the stage. And those thrones stood, uh, men stood in front of those thrones, and one was God the Creator, who is the Father, who is Michael, God the Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, not Jehovah, and Hillel or Lucifer, who is the bearer of light and truth, which is an office and a title. And when the man who held the office of the light bearer fell and rebelled against God, there was a war in heaven. And when all of this was done, he was cast away from his office and God went among 12 that stood in front of the thrones of God who were called mighty and strong. I was taught that God the, God the creator, who is uh, Michael Adam, God the redeemer, who is Jesus, and Lucifer or Hillel, they were or the bearer of light and truth. They are mighty and strong for this earth. So that's the first presidency of this earth. And it's kind of like the same church uh, structures the church is set up. So you had Jesus Christ, who is over the first presidency of the earth. You got the president and his two counselors. And then in front of them, you have the 12 apostles. So in the heavens, it is Jehovah our Elohim, who is a member of the council of the gods, who is over <clears throat> Michael, who is God the creator. And that's taught in the endowment, and Joseph Smith taught that as well. See my video at Fundamentally Mormon on YouTube about uh, the Adam God, our, the endowment teaches the Adam God doctrine. I explain it in detail there. But God the Creator is Michael Adam. When in the endowment, it is the Elohim, the Council of the Gods, under the direction of God the Eternal Father, send Yehovah our Elohim to 
take Michael to create the earth. And when they get to where the earth is created, Yehovah shows him how it is done. And then Michael says, it will be done. He says, go create the earth. It will be done. Michael is the creator. He is the father. Joseph Smith said that there are three in the first presidency of this earth, God the creator, who is the father, God the redeemer, who is the son, and God the witness, who is the Holy Ghost. That's the first presidency of this earth under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim, or, or Jehovah our El, uh, Mighty One. Jesus and Jehovah are not the same person. Ether chapter 3 shows that, and I've talked about that in the past real quick. Oh, I know that there's new listeners. That's why I have to explain these things, and I want to say it real quick. But So when Mohanre Moriankumar sees the spirit finger of Jesus, Jesus the veil is opened up to Mohanre Moriankumar, the brother of Jared, and Jesus says, I have never showed myself to man before. He was a spirit being. He said, I will come in the meridian of time, and I will take upon myself a body. This is my spirit body. Okay, that was after the Tower of Babel and after the flood. But before that time, Jehovah walked and talked with Adam and Methuselah and Enoch and a bunch of other people. And after the flood, so he appeared to man before that point. Now, Jesus is saying, I've never appeared to man before this because he hadn't. But Jehovah had, different person. After the flood, Jehovah came as a resurrected being, a body of flesh and bone, and he sat down with Abraham and had a meal of meat and dairy along with other resurrected beings who had bodies as well. And those are the same angels that came with him that had resurrected bodies that walked into the city of Sodom. And the people are like, let, let us know those guys because they were a bunch of perverts. But they weren't spirits. They were people with bodies because they had already been resurrected on an older earth. So for this earth, we have... A, Jehovah, our Elohim, and the first presidency of this earth is God the Creator, who is Michael, who became Adam, God the Redeemer, who is Yeshua, who the Gentiles called Jesus, and God the Witness, or the Bearer of Light and Truth. They three are mighty and strong for this earth. But in front of them, there are a council of twelve who are also mighty and strong, who are the generals in the armies of heaven. There are 12 of them. And when God went down to choose another to take the place of Lucifer after he became Satan and was cast out, I was the one that was chosen to take that place. So I am one who is mighty and strong. Now, with all the knowledge that a bunch of different people have, why can't they set the house of God in order? With all of the knowledge that the fundamentalists have and all these other people have, why can't they set the house of God in order? Because it's not just about knowledge. There are certain sealing keys that God has for the one mighty and strong. And Joseph Smith was one of they who were mighty and strong for his day when he received this calling and election and he was sealed up to Jesus Christ. He became a link to the gods, and when people were sealed to him through the law of adoption, they were sealed to a man who was sealed up to the gods, and it created a, a, a link between the heavens and the earth. So when Malachi says um, that Elijah would come and that the hearts of the children would be turned to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers turned to the children, 
mean, it's genealogy, but it's also the sealing ordinance that was done through the prophet Joseph Smith. He was the link on the earth at that time. In 2003, when God laid his physical hands upon my physical head and sealed me up to himself, I was sealed up unto the Father. This is the work of the Father that's spoken of in Third Nephi and other places. When I was sealed up to the Father, I was given the sealing keys and all of the keys, and I became the link on the earth like Joseph Smith was for that day. And because of the knowledge and also because of the sealing power, this is how the, the house of God is set in order. It can't be done just by knowledge. There has to be certain ordinances that set the house of God in order. And because of the rejection of the disobedient saints in Nauvoo, those things were severed. Also, Wilfred Woodruff in the 1890s did away with the law of adoption because they didn't understand it because they were darkened in their minds and they, re they rejected truth that jo Joseph Smith taught. Those things have been restored in our day in our time, and I am that man that God chose before the foundation of this earth to take the place of the bearer of light and truth to be the witness of the Father and the Son, and that's why I've seen them face to face, and that's why I've embraced them in the flesh, and I am that witness. And uh, so there's that. All right, well, uh, it doesn't look like we have anybody in the chat room, and we don't have anybody who has called. So when we come back on tomorrow, we will be on, let's see here. I think I passed it. Oh, here it is. Okay, yeah, Chapter 8 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5, The Conflict Between the Dead and the Living Prophets. Also, before we go, one last quote. In the Times and Seasons, Joseph Smith said, if they contradict the Bible the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, speaking of the Doctrine and Covenants that he had, not the one that came after him, if they contradict these things, you set them down as imposters. So if they gaslight and they say that these things aren't important anymore, they're imposters. If they contradict things that Joseph Smith taught, like Joseph said that the church could fall if the people were disobedient. And in section 124 of the Doctrine and Covenants, Jesus said, if you're not obedient to the things that I tell you to do, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. And now the current guys, they say, well, can never fall. We will never lead you astray. Now, that's a contradiction. You have to set them down as imposters. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you've been brainwashed into following the prophet. If they contradict the teachings of the restored gospel or the scriptures, you have to set them down as imposters. So anyway, with those things being said, thank you for listening to the program. We'll be back on tomorrow at 8 p.m. For Chapter 8 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless, and goodbye.